to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow and I have a great guest lined up for you today. This podcast, you know, it's about change and it's about transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us as we go on a journey and go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, before I introduce today's guests, I do want to ask you a favor. It won't take a minute and it would make a huge difference to us. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to and subscribe and just leave a rating and review. It helps us to share our message of inspirational change with as many people as we can. And it also helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. Our guest on the podcast this week is Daniel Levin. Daniel walked away from an opportunity to run a billion dollar business to hitchhike around the world to find happiness and inner peace. He studied in a seminary five years and left one day before becoming a rabbi and he has lived as a monk in a monastery for 10 years. As director of business development, he grew Hay House from $3 million a year in sales to $100 million a year in revenue. Now, I can attest to the fact that Daniel is a rare blend of businessman and mystic who sees what others do not see. In fact, we met when he was doing something I haven't seen others do. We came together on his Mosaic podcast where he talks with strangers and has a deep conversation. And I truly enjoyed that, which is why I've brought him here to you in our Sacred Changemakers community. Now, he tells me it has been this quality of seeing what others don't see that has thrown him into some of the most exclusive boardrooms to help them innovate new ways of finding solutions when the old ways stop working. Daniel is also the author of The Mosaic, a life-changing fable that invites people to listen to those others do not hear and to see the situations in their life differently. So welcome, Daniel. What a pleasure it is to be here. And I listen to you read those things. And as much as I am thankful and I know that I sent you my bio and all of that, I just want people to also know that the most important thing that can happen in this conversation is do we touch each other or not? Do, we, do, you, do you resonate with what we're saying? Do you feel something? Are you, does it allow you to see something differently than the way you saw it before? Because if that works, everything that was said before really doesn't even matter. If it doesn't work, then who cares what was said before? Who cares what I did? This moment right here is such an important moment for all of us. And I should make note of this but I think it's coming out on, on Jane's birthday. So I think I want to just say happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Blah, 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 blah. Happy birthday, Jane. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Oh gosh. Yes. And oh my gosh, that was just so beautifully said. What a great intro to our conversation today. You know, and As our listeners know, you know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that we have emergent conversations here. I don't have a list of questions that I'm going to ask Daniel. And, you know, 
I'm really intrigued about what it is we're going to talk about. Now, we do have a title called A Revolution of Listening, which to me is so intriguing. And I, I can't wait to hear more from Daniel about that. But let's get started, Daniel, by me asking you maybe a personal question. Because we've heard your bio, right? And I love the way you wrote that, the personality coming through it. But I wonder what will emerge right now in the present, as you say, if I ask you, who's the real life human behind the bio? Who's he that's showing up right now in this moment? I love that question. I love, <laughs> love, love that question. Um, the beauty of what I've realized about myself is I am the same if I have millions of dollars or if I'm sleeping under a bridge. I am the same if this podcast relates and responds and people feel drawn and people feel something in the quality and resonance of my voice or in the discussion we have, or not just in my words, but in the vibration that they feel from it, or if they don't. And what I realized is along the course of my life, which I've done a lot of different things, often I wish that I was just living a block away from my parents. But that option wasn't open for me because my parents passed away early in my life and were in heaven. And yeah, I longed to live a block away from my parents a lot of times because I would like to be a block away in heaven. What I realized is no matter who I sat with, they could have been the wealthiest people in the world or the poorest people. They could have been practicing a religion or not practicing a religion. It didn't matter what color they were or, how, or what schooling they had or how much money they made or what border they lived behind. Everybody wanted the same, same thing. We all just want to be loved and accepted. We want to be listened to and heard. And we want to be acknowledged and validated. And I don't know when it happened, but it happened about a year, two years, three years, five years ago, that I realized I could actually do that for people. It doesn't take all the background history that I have. All it takes is a guy who's open and vulnerable and loving and interested and curious about the person that's standing in front of them or sitting in front of them and just wants to know who that person is and how they are. And I could do that. And that's what happened. My whole life shifted from that moment to that's really all I'm interested in doing. I'm interested in just breaking down the mask of what I, of what I wear and just showing up as vulnerably and honestly in this conversation with you and in any conversation that I have, because I possibly can, because we can't see each other. We can't be with each other. We can't feel each other if we stand behind the walls that protect us from being with each other. So that's who I am really in this moment is even in this moment, I'm finding that the stories that I thought were foundation points in my life were just simply stories. And the more I look at some of those stories, those stories are, are rapidly falling apart, meaning that the foundations that I built my life upon are also crumbling. 
And as scary as that is, it's exciting. Because it's as if the egg of the, sh the shell of the egg is cracking. And who knows what the egg will make up now. Wow. Just from what you said there, I know I have a lot I can learn from you, Daniel. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really do, because you said a few things there that um, in a way kind of challenged me to think, wow, like one of the first things you said that really kind of pricked up my ears was you said, I am the same, like whether I'm earning millions of dollars or I'm under a bridge, like you're the same. Yeah. And for me, I would love to kind of dive a little deeper into what that means. And then, so before I do that, you then went on to kind of give me some and flesh out what you meant by that. And I'll tell you, this is honestly, I've had my first insight already. <laughs> and that is that, you know, I've, I've been in, in and out of a number of different spiritual traditions, let's say that. And one of the things that I notice, um, that's come up in a few different uh, places and with different sacred teachers and things has been this idea that of everything and nothing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And somehow what you just said there really helped me understand what that means because you showed me how you can be the same, right? But yep. you also showed me how you can be open and present and really viscerally there, curious about where you are right now in this moment in your life in relationship with me in this conversation or somebody else in a yeah. conversation. And I've never heard it explained in that way. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. So th <laughs> thank you so much for saying that and sharing that. And you know, it makes me curious as to what that does for you. So we could go back and forth on our curiosity. Uh, so, but, but really, when you think about it, for me, my book, The Mosaic, yeah. underlying all of it is, the, is this principle that nothing is as it appears. Yeah. And I just ran a book club with, with a group of people around The Mosaic. It was... It was really beautiful and it was so totally different than anything I thought it was going to be because I thought I was going to ask them questions of what those characters meant to them. Yeah. They actually were more interested in asking me questions of what the character meant to me. And I could have answered the standard answers. I could have given the classic easy answer to get myself out and appear intelligent and good. But I chose not to do that. I chose to be honest and vulnerable and real. And I saw the characters in my book completely differently than I've ever seen them. And it, it just opened me up to a place where their conversation, on top of a few other conversations that I had, put me in this place that is... Um, mildly uncomfortable <laughs> to understate it, which is the uncertainty of not feeling comfortable. Like I spent, I'm 65 years old. I spent a lot of my life 
getting to this place where I am. And I'm, I was really happy with who I am. I'm happy with the person that I am. I love this guy that I am. And yet there are certain things in here that I saw that belief systems that have held me back that, that I'm more than happy to share with you if you want, but I'm also more than happy not to be too narcissistic and, and, you know, make it about me. But the question really is more about like, what is it that our listeners really believe and what would happen if those belief systems were just stories that they made up? They weren't based on facts. They were based upon stories that we've told ourselves so many times that we actually believed that they were real. And then one day the story was seen as not being real. What would that, where does that leave you? And what do you do? For me, one of the characters in my book is the traveler. And the traveler talks about in everything in life, there are three steps. Take a guess of what those three steps are. In everything in life, there are three steps. Everything. Mm. Well, I would guess that, so I'll, I'll speak from my frame, of course, and okay. I'll own it, which is, for me, there are four steps. Okay. It starts with awareness, so becoming aware of something. Um, and then I think of the next step as being alignment. So how do I align with the present moment or the person I'm in relationship with? And how am I aligned and authentic in my internal systems as well? And then third is, would be attunement, which is then how do I attune to everything that might be swirling all around me? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, how do I tune to that? And then finally, how do I integrate? all of that so that I can show up in a way that feels authentic to me, but is also maybe helpful and maybe of service and maybe helps expand somebody else's lens on their stories as you've described them. So that's my bit. (laughs) And I love that. And and I love how beautifully aligned that is. And, And what the mosaic showed me because the mosaic for me was a battle out of the complexity of my mind into the most simple of realities. And what it showed me through the work of the traveler is the traveler told me those three steps are so simple. You're going to kick yourself when you're here. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) There's a beginning, there's a middle and there's an end. Oh my God. I love it. And all of life has those three parts. And when you skip one of those parts or don't give credit to one of those parts, things start to fall apart. And so when we, for me, I, I was a person throughout my life that was able to see the place where things were about to start when others couldn't see that. And so I had that vision that made, it very, made me very valuable for companies that wanted to innovate because they would bring me in. In my early years, it made me feel very isolated and alone because people said, what, what are you talking about? You know, like, what do you, what do you, what do you, I wouldn't understand you. The other thing that I was really good at is seeing 
when I, when I saw something, I also saw how it was going to end. So I could already see the place and I would want to get to that end place as quickly as I possibly could. What ended up happening for me missed the middle. And the middle's where everything in life happens. It's where all the pleasures are, all the pains. It's the place where you stop and smell the flower. It's the place where your finger gets, gets bloodied by the thorn. It's the place where you fall in love and you fall out of love and you, and you experience pain and suffering. It's the place where your takes off and, and continues to grow and then all of a sudden it hits, hits off and, and goes down. And when you don't have the middle, you miss a lot of the humanness of this life. And in the end, if you don't let go of something when it's over, that's the most painful thing in the world. And I can tell you from my experience, watching my stories that I thought were my facts, that I built the foundations of my creation of life on, crumble, every single part of me wanted to hold on to them and go, no, right? <laughs> Stay with me. Don't do that yeah. to me. Yes. And that's so painful. It's way more painful than, than sort, of, sort of falling freeform in the air, knowing that somehow something will happen. It's exciting, it's scary, it's beautiful, it's, it's invigorating, it, and it might kill me, who knows? But it also might give me a new life. And that sense of not knowing which of those two will happen, and being okay with both of them, to just experience the experience of that experience is what's fascinating to me right now. Because all my life I've ran away from those pains. All my life I've ran away from the things that I didn't know. And I thought that I was curiously um, involved in a life where I, was, I loved uncertainty but I love the uncertainty that I could control, not the uncertainty that came out of my control. Yes. I mean, bingo. That's what I just want to say to what you said <laughs> there at the end. I was like, yeah, I totally know that space. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay too with uncertainty, but if I'm honest, it is about the uncertainty I can control that I have some kind of information around <laughs> the, yeah. the uncertainty. I don't have any information around. Oh gosh, that sends me on such an emotional roller coaster. It can yeah. be such a challenge, but I want to speak to something that you said here, Daniel, which is this, this idea of the middle, because again, you've made me realize something. There's, there's so much resonance between how you speak and, and, and my work in the world as well. And, and the way that the things that are important to me, let's put it that way. Love it. Because you talked about the middle and as you talked about the middle, one of the things I talk about energetically in, in resonance terms is I talk about the invisible space between, the in-between space, which sounds very much like your middle. Because what I've learned as I've gone through life is just like you've just been describing with your middle, it's the invisible stuff that lies in the in-between for me 
that is actually the most important. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and and when I when you were describing beginning, middle, and end, and I think about my life, there are times where I feel like I'm rushing headlong towards the grave because I have my personality is one that's quite future oriented. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to be invested and excited about what's coming next. But the problem with that is I can miss what's going on right now. Yeah. I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, not that I can, but I have. Right. And, yeah. and I, and I have missed it big time. Yeah. And I, it never even crossed my mind that anything was happening there because I was so visually drawn to where this was going that I just thought, why would we waste time getting there when I can already see how to make it happen? Yeah. And so I see where it starts. I see where it's going. Let's just do it. And to slow down, I remember being in seminary in, in Israel and, and my study buddy was very methodical and slow. And we would sit for hours and hours at a desk looking at 15 words and just going back and forth with them and try and understand if this set of rabbis understood this, why did this one set of rabbis say something different? And then once we got that answer, we would go back and say, well, this set of rabbis first knew what the second set of rabbis saw and, and knew that they were going to see different and still chose, why did they do that? And we would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for, for months always diving deeper in to get a better understanding. But I was impatient because I'm a guy who likes to get to the end. Yeah. And I remember looking at him on, occasion, on, on, on so many occasions and just wanting to rip his, 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 his hair out <laughs> and just pound him on the ground and say, come on, Benzion, we've done this, don't you see? And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, are you so, you know, what are you so in a hurry about? We, we're, gonna, we're here for a long time. Like, what is it? And every single time, what I saw when I slowed down is I was scared to see what I would see when I slowed down. Yeah. I was scared to think that maybe what I thought wasn't what really was. Right. And, I was and, and I was brazen enough and powerful enough and charismatic enough in most cases that I could get people to go with me to the end and not challenge me because they understood that I had their best interest in stake and, and why spend the time. But what I'm realizing now, as I look back on the 65 years of my life that I've lived, there are so many moments. And there's so many moments now that I'm experiencing in this unstable world that I'm living in now where my steps don't go on concrete anymore. They go on waves of water and I don't know how to navigate those. And the experience of being scared and being excited, like I had one of my coaches look at me and she said, what are you scared of? And I said, that's really a, a good question. <laughs> and when I sat with what I was scared of, I couldn't find anything that I was scared of except the story that I should be scared of something. <laughs> and, and then another foundation ripped out. Like what if, what if there was nothing scary about experiencing the experience of this experience? Like what would that do? What would that allow me to experience if I didn't have to make up a story that I'm scared to do that, that holds me back from doing it? Does this make sense? 
It totally does. It totally does. And it makes me want to ask you a question because before Please. you said about, you talked about running away from pain. Yeah. And now you're talking about like, you know, this, this, this being with it. Yeah. Yeah. Being yeah. with it. And I wanted to know how, how did you shift that pattern? Because for so many of us, it's primal, like, you know, running yeah. away from pain. I know that space. I know it well. I actually think it's one of the reasons why I physically run in real life. I'm just running away from stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right? Beautiful. Beautiful. But how so, do we shift? So, it's now makes sense why we're calling this the revolution of listening. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> I was wondering how am I going to get back to what I was talking about? Right? <laughs> but I really wasn't thinking that. But then when you ask that question, it's like, okay, that, here we are. That's what yeah. I'm that's I, um, So I think I might have told you, but I haven't certainly told your audience that I have the, the honor of having learned most of the things that I've learned from life from my daughter and my daughter's developmentally delayed. And I never thought I would be good with a developmentally delayed kid. I never thought I could be even be with a kid. I didn't know how to do it. I was a monk most of my life. And, and she has this beautiful, beautiful presence about her. And yet when she speaks, people can't understand her. And because I've been with her all her life, she expects me to understand her. She expects me to get things that other people can't get. And I feel the responsibility to be able to do that for her. But sometimes she'll say something and I just don't get it. And when she says it and I don't get it, she'll say it louder, thinking probably rightly so that I'm getting older and maybe my hearing's going. <laughs> <laughs> but it is my hearing's going, not in this case. It's because the clarity of her words are not clear enough. And so when she, when she says it louder and I don't get it, then she'll throw a tantrum because she really wants me to understand what she's saying. And when I can't, now I'm sort of lost because now I don't understand the clarity. Now there's emotion in it. Now there's activity going on. I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't know what the heck's going on. And when I don't know what the heck's going on, she'll come running at me and try and either rip my shirt or bite me. She's 31 years old. This went on for about 15 years. And sometimes, thank God it didn't happen every day, but some days it happened 10 times a day. And I'm a sensitive sort of caring man who thinks I sort of understand the way the world operates. And I couldn't figure it out. And one day in the midst of her rage, as she was running to attack me, I just looked at her and I said, Elisa, stop you know I love you more than anybody in the whole world. You know how important it is for me to understand what you're saying. I'm so sorry. I just don't understand what your words. Can you think of a way to say this without using words? Can you just communicate to me differently? And she stopped dead in her tracks. Her rage turned into this beautiful smile that you could feel coming from the core of her, her soul. And she looked me straight in the eye and in perfect English, she said, I am daddy. And I said, I'm sorry, what the heck do you mean you are daddy? How the heck are you doing that? And she took her forefinger and put it to the side of her head. And I understood from that, that she was telling me she was putting thoughts into my mind. And I looked at her and I said, you little son of a gun. Have you been putting thoughts into my head? And she started laughing 
uncontrollable laughter. That after 15 years of having listened and tried and tried so hard to get me to hear what she's saying, that she finally found a way to let me hear her. And I, and I want you to know from that moment on, she never yelled again, she never tantrumed, and she never attacked. That's how important it is for people to be heard. So I got a little greedy and I thought, I wonder if how Elisa acts is the way other people act. And I went into boardrooms, I went into hospitals, I went into prisons, I went into government offices where I was working with government officials and I said to them, I wanna try something with you. And I watched and observed how they are when they speak and they don't get heard. The same exact tendencies appeared. When they spoke and they weren't heard, they, they started screaming. When they screamed and they weren't heard, they created chaos, they created a scene, they tried to disrupt what was going on and move it away from what was actually happening. When they disrupted it, then they tried to injure something. They, they, they would, not the government officials, but I saw in, in the world in general, they would, those are the people that shoot up people in a, in a square. Those are the people that blow up a building. Those are the people that get so frustrated and so, and feel so hopeless in their desire to be heard, in their desire to just be heard, that they have to create a riot or something going on. We see it with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, they're, the people, the black people in America today have been so tired of not being heard. And there are people that are getting in the way of that and using it to their advantage, but they don't, you don't have to be violent, but they just wanna try and disrupt the system because it's, they're wanting to say, I wanna be heard. We see it in, in the Me Too movement, women saying, I, I won't put up with this. And they'll bring down the reputation and the work of a, of, a, of a man in an industry because they just will not put up with him with being treated like that. And so the reason why a revolution of listening is so important is because I don't think most of us really feel heard. And I don't think most of us really know how to listen. We listen, but we don't hear. And I know that for myself because I was about, when, when I finished writing the mosaic, the book told me go out on the road, go out on the road and start to talk to the people that nobody talks to and listen to the people nobody listens to. And I was making my trip. I had it all set up. I was going to go possibly till the end of my life doing it. And I was working diligently on getting on preparing my itinerary and I had it all set and my wife came in and said something to me and I said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And she said, hold it, Danny, look at me one minute. And I said, okay, I'm sorry. What, what, what? She said, you didn't hear a word I said, did you? And I said, no, I didn't. I'm so sorry. I mean, we don't even, I didn't even, I wasn't even listening to my wife because I was so set on doing this mission to listen to other people. Schools don't listen to kids because they're just trying to put a, a round peg in a square hole. They don't care that it's a round peg because they try and get most of the square holes and square pegs and square holes. We have a system of government where you fit into these things, but if you don't fit in, what do we do with you? We've got to learn how to listen, not only to the words that we can't understand, but we have to find ways to hear what people really are trying to say to us. 
And we can't do that if we come to the conversations with agendas. We have to be open with an agendaless conversation and just willing to listen and accept the person where they are. I'm working with a woman right now who said, you know, I'm growing more spiritually than my husband and I don't know what to do because I, it really bothers me that he's not coming along. I said, just love him. Like, it's so simple. Can you love him for being where he is without needing him to be where you are? Like, and ask him, how does it, how does it feel? Like, what is it, what is it that you really need? And how can I provide you with what you need rather than wanting you to be where I need you to be? I mean, it just shows up in every single conversation that I have that we just don't know how to listen to each other because we're so set on saying what we need to say. And we're not even sure what we need to say sometimes. Yes. I don't want to just ramble on. Does it make <laughs> sense what I'm saying? It totally does. And I, I'm just kind of sat here listening. And as, as I'm listening to you, you know, every now and again, a question will come up in my mind. And what's interesting is you were then, you weren't rambling at all. You were just answering my question. <laughs> but I hadn't given voice to it. But, you know, yeah. you, were, you were then telling me the next piece that I was really curious about and wanted to know. But I love it. Uh, so I, I, I just wanted to say, I, I don't feel this is a ramble at all. It feels really intriguing to me. It really does. And I hope it is for our listeners too. But I totally agree with you. You know, I, I notice in my life, and I may have said this to you in our last conversation, that I notice we've really forgotten how to listen. We've forgotten. We're just really waiting for our turn to speak. And, you know, and I'm in so many coaching communities and even coaches when they're not in a coaching session, I see the same thing. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. wow, if people who are trained to have powerful conversations, to learn to listen deeply, then, you know, then where are we really as a society? Yes. Now, one of the things I, I have said before, um, and I just wonder what you will make of it is I, I came to the conclusion that we are actually listening, but we're listening to the wrong things. <laughs> it's like we're listening to the voices in our heads saying like, you know, what is it you're going to say next? And, you know, and, and, and have you heard something that's meaningful that you want to ask a question of, you know, I've kind of got that running in this conversation right now with you mm. and I'm just trying to let it step to the side just put it to the side and say, okay, I'm just being with here. But mm -hmm. I, I wonder what you make of that. Cause I don't know that it's that we don't listen. I just wonder sometimes what it is we're listening to. <laughs> I love, I love that clarity. And, and I really also love the question that that clarity brings. Um, let me see if I can say this in a way that I want to. And if it comes across in any way, not judgmental of you, but judgmental in general, I, I so am sorry because it just means I'm not able to express the clarity and the beauty and the purity of what I'm trying to say with my mouth. Cause I feel, I feel so beautifully um, open in this. 
we have to listen to ourselves also. Yeah. And when we listen to ourselves and we hear ourselves in the midst of a conversation, losing track of the conversation in thought of what the next question we might ask will be, we have to ask ourselves, what is that, what is happening right now? Like, what is it that I'm, what is it that I need from myself right now that's asking me to be on track with the next question I have to ask? What would happen if I just allowed myself to sit in the conversation and see if the conversation naturally brings up a new question for me? And it's okay to be caught in the conversation. It's okay to have another question coming up. It's okay to judge ourselves if it's okay to judge ourselves. And what I find is we are so hard on ourselves that we expect that we can do it all the time the right way. What if we can? What if we're not? What if we're meant to see something else? Remember, nothing is as it seems. What if the course of this conversation for anybody who pre-thinks what their question should be and while they're listening to the answer thinks, this is what I want to ask, this is what I want to ask, this is what I want to ask, this is what I want to ask. <laughs> what, what if that's the purpose of this conversation? Just to point out that quality in somebody that they wouldn't see otherwise. What if it has nothing to do with any of the information that I'm saying? Who cares? The information that I'm saying versus the information you're sharing with yourself in the process of what you go through in this conversation is so infinitely greater. Your information is so much greater than my information. Listen to your information. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I am just being reminded of something that I hold very dear, particularly in the sacred change makers community, which is this question of kind of what does it mean to be human? And you've just reminded me there of the, the glorious spectrum of listening and what it means to be human. And, and I kind of have this visual right now, Daniel, of you know, our listeners out there just listening to the podcast in their own unique way. Like there is no right way in inverted commas to listen. There's just your way. But yeah. listen, listen beyond the way you normally do is what I would encourage people to do. Like, what does it mean if we just put an extra word there and say, if you were to listen deeply, like, mm -hmm. what does that mean to go beneath the surface of the conversation? Just like you described with your daughter, yeah. to, to hear in a different way beneath the surface of the words. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, I would say tap into the energy, but that's just my lens. Yeah. What is it for you as you're listening? I love this freedom that I'm finding yeah. in this space. <laughs> Well, and it really, I love when a conversation sort of full circles a little bit because you said it beautifully. You said, 
it's in the space between the words. It's in the space yeah. between the things. It's in, and I say that often, like I say to people, when you read the mosaic, you will have a beautiful experience because the fable is a beautiful story and you will feel connected to the, to the characters and you will feel their, 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 that story coming alive in you. But what will you feel in the space between the words of the mosaic? I use exactly that terminology. What will you allow yourself to experience in the experience of that experience? And I'm saying that often, the experience <laughs> of that. What will you experience in the experience of that experience? When I was about to set out on my journey and COVID-19 kept me from going on it, I hope that I'll be, I'll be back able to do it soon. But when I was about to go out on my journey, one of my dear friends said, you got to talk to this woman who did a similar journey. And I said, okay, great. And I, and I spoke with her and she said something to me that I, I'll never forget. She said, you'll be fine on your journey as long as you realize that everything you experience is you speaking to you about you that you're not going there to fix the world. You're not going there to change people. You're not going there to make something better. You're not going there to do anything. You're going to meet you speaking to you about you and enjoy that experience. Enjoy how beautiful that experience is. And it'll rock your boat sometimes, great. And it'll lift you up sometimes, great. It, each, of those sensations is just that a sensation when we give the meaning to it of if it's a good sensation or a bad sensation we decide if it's scary or exhilarating you know we pay for rides that take us through tumult you know where we go ah screaming you know screaming down a roller coaster <laughs> And yet when life goes that way, we think, what, what are we doing? You know, why, this isn't what we want, yeah. but this is a roller coaster. And if we can just feel the joy of the pain as much as the joy of the happiness, then the pain starts to become a light for us to see something we've never seen before. If all the time we spend running from that pain, we'll never see what the pain wants to say to us. A revolution of listening means we listen to the pain to see what it's trying to say. Because just like my daughter went speak, yell, tantrum, attack. By the time we have pain, we're in the, we're in the tantrum attack level. What would our pain be saying to us if we could listen to it without needing to escalate that far? What does it want us to see? What does it want us to feel? What's our body saying to us? What's our workplace saying to us? What's our environment saying to us? What's our relationship saying to us? Take time to use and allow that pain to be the greatest teachers we ever had. I remember I was, when I was in the seminar, when I was in the monastery, we, I loved being with my, with my little band of monks. We were, we were the happiest little crew going. I mean, we just had a great time together. And then one day 
a new guy was admitted into the into our into our order, and we welcomed him and we did the best. And he was just an obnoxious son of a gun, and all of us just tried our best to love him, but we couldn't. We couldn't stand him. And about two months into it, we went back to the head of our monastery and we said, we said, sir we got to all tell you, like, none of us can get along with this guy. We don't know what's going on. This has made like a, such a pleasant, we love being here. And now we hate it because there's so much chaos and turmoil. And the head of our monastery said to us, wow, I'm so happy you told me that. Because if he wasn't here, I would have had to go out and hire somebody to do that for you because you'll learn way more from him than you will from me. Take a look at what he's bringing up in you and and notice these walls of the monastery can't protect you from that. Nothing can protect you. You're seeing yourself now, deal with it. And very shortly after that, we looked at him in a different way. The way we perceived him was now as our teacher, not as as our adversary. And we, and we would say thank you to him. And he would say, what are you thanking me for? And I would say for feeling pissed off. Like, I love this that I'm seeing myself get pissed off at you. And he would start to laugh and we would start to laugh and we became friends. If we listen to what our pain is telling us, we will transform our lives. If we listen to what our joy is saying to us, we will transform our lives. If we listen, we will transform our lives. And that's why I want to create a revolution of listening. Oh, I love it. It so resonates for me. And there's something else coming up in this experience I'm having right now, experiencing the experience with you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. There's something coming up, which is, so in some ways I feel there's a real parallel path that we're walking here and there's some resonance and I I find myself in your stories quite often when you're speaking it's like gosh yes yes I know that space yes that's kind of what is happening for me but in my own journey to really listening and being more I suppose in the Chinese would call it more yin in my life mm-hmm. and following the path more than trying to create my own path. I notice that there's an element in this. I could start with calling it trust. And I probably did at one point think it was, I have to trust the path. Mm-hmm. But now I would say it's kind of a bit deeper than trust now for me. There's a, a faith that's needed for me to leave the thinking, you know, kind of master's degree, the things I know about business, all that kind of stuff to one side and truly listen, for example, to what my life wants me to know or what someone in my life wants me to hear. I notice there's a, there's a faith And I just wondered, because you have a, you have a big background, you know, with the sacred, in relationship with the sacred in different ways, but it's there. And I just wonder how that plays out or emerges for you, Daniel. 
A beautiful question. Beautiful, beautiful question. Thank you so much, because I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, what if you didn't have to leave behind what you are to enter what you are? What if they're pieces of a mosaic that just come together? What I find so often is people, when they enter one thing, think they have to leave behind another thing. And what I love about the image of a mosaic, and I don't talk about this in the book, but I love that this is the space between the words of the book, is we are all made up of all the pieces of our life. They are our mosaic. There are greatness, there are foibles, there are the places where we're embarrassed by who we are, the places where we excel in where we are. And what if we just introduced a new piece without having to get rid of an old piece? Like the beauty of the image of a mosaic versus a jigsaw puzzle. In a jigsaw puzzle, I used to love the simple elegance of knowing this piece had to go in this spot because it's the only place it fit in the puzzle. And I love that about a jigsaw puzzle. I'm finding that I love even more the fluidity of the mosaic, where every piece can go wherever it darn well needs to go or wants to go. It can change up. It can be the only yellow piece amidst a, a series of black pieces. It can be the only square piece amongst a, circle, a, a set of circles. It can go wherever it wants and it can break the rules of what's normal without having to give up what it is. People often say to me, how do I feel connected to everything without losing myself? And I say, go back to the mosaic. Every single piece is a piece of itself, it's a P-I-E-C-E. -E. That piece fits into all the other pieces of the mosaic and it, it is, becomes a part of this bigger artistry, which is a mosaic, but it never loses its P-I-E-C-E -E, nor its P-E-A-C-E. -E. And when you know what your, when you know your piece, P-I-E-C-E, you will find your peace, P-E-A-C-E. And that peace is made up of a collection of all the things that make you what you are. So I would question the fundamental belief system that I have to leave this to have this. Yeah. And that, just, that it really resonates. It really does. And it kind of reminds me of the difference between... Uh, for me, transformation and transcendence. Because as you were talking about the mosaic, you know, and in, when I, all those years ago in coach training, I remember learning about transformation. We're going to transform our clients through coaching. Right. And I, I remember thinking at the time, actually, that doesn't feel quite right mm -hmm. in a way. And, you know, and as I've as my work's matured, I've realized that a lot of my models that I've created to help me make sense of the world in a way, um, and, and I've become my body of work, they're not really transformational. They're more transcendent, which means just like you're describing in the mosaic. Because when you first said mosaic, I saw like a 2D mosaic, like something beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
like what I've seen in Morocco, for example. Mm -hmm. And then the more you spoke, the more I started to see like a nested 3D <laughs> like mm -hmm. version of it, almost like it was transcendent like right at the very core there was some pieces and then we added in some other pieces but the core is still there it's yeah. still right at the very heart of of the mosaic and i i and and to me that's transcendent taking the whole like with you as you that. as you go and imagine now that your mosaic is not just the pieces of your life, but it's every person that you meet that comes across your path. <laughs> it's every job you've had. It's every situation you're in. It's the person in front of you at Starbucks. It's the person that's just sitting with you on the bench waiting for the bus. It's the person that's on the stage. It's, it's standing up in front of you on the subway. It's the person that you are making love to in your bed. Yeah. It's the person you come home to every night. It's the kid that you just had that you have to send off to school. It's the one that you that lives next door that you don't want to have anything to do with because they're not yours. But they're all part of you. And that they're all connected to you. And that we are all not these physical forms, but we are this energy that comes in and brings life to these physical forms but we get lost in the thought that we're this form when we're the energy behind that form. And what would that be and enable us to do? What if we were able to have anything that we needed was just one perception away from where we are? What if it was all available throughout, throughout all the models of time, we could reach in and just find that piece that we need that would bring us to the quality that we're longing for by just connecting to it. What if it didn't have to be human? It didn't have to be animal. It didn't have to even be breathing. What if it didn't even have to be alive right now? What if we could stretch back in time or stretch to future time? It's all connected. It's all ours. It's all available to us. If we would only change the perception of what we perceive. Oh, as you were speaking, I'm going to share my experience. You started talking about all of the things, all the interconnections, and I started to get into a fight or flight response of overwhelm. And then you just beautifully and almost elegantly, Daniel, allowed me to exhale by sharing that it's all there already. It's already all of me all of the whole interconnected ecosystem of life that i'm a part of and all it needs is a sh simple shift in perception yeah for me to access let me put it that way or become aware of that and i just felt my whole like i could feel the armoring happening in my body i was contracting mm -hmm. and then it was just like oh okay i get it what made you contract i think it was my so the, the other piece that has come into this conversation that i haven't given voice to yet is my mother bless her soul my mother's voice came in 
when you were talking about the mosaic and I was thinking of it in 2D because my mom was always like, if you're going to do something, Jane, then do it well. Like, you know, it's, it was always like, it had to be perfect. It had to be beautiful. It had to be some groundbreaking piece of art <laughs> that I yeah. was creating. Even if it was just a conversation, it had to be this, this ultimate best self of everything that I did. And quite frankly, it's, it was exhausting in the early yeah. part of my life. And so that's what kicked in for me, this belief that, no, and, the, and the other side of my relationship with my mother was no matter what I did, it always wasn't good enough, right? Yeah, yeah. So those, put those two things together and you start talking to me about all of the stuff and it's like, right. oh, how, how the hell am I going to hold space for all of that? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And that was the contraction. It was like, oh, like I can't do all of this and do it well. Yeah. Right? And I love the awareness of what you saw. Because again, remember, none of what I'm saying is important versus what you're seeing. Yes. All, all that's happening in here in this conversation is little touchstones are igniting something within you, within me, within the people listening, hopefully. Yeah. And if you have the courage to walk into that, like what foundation, what a beautiful thing to see this foundation that everything has to be perfect and nothing is good enough. Yeah. Just as clearly as that and just let that dissolve now and allow what's possible behind that to be seen. Imagine how many times, and I'm not just talking to you, because, but I appreciate your being so honestly, but I, I, everybody that's here has that, same, <laughs> it, it has that same tendency, me too, right? Yeah. And so what's just behind that realization of it's okay to be okay. It's okay to be ordinary. I find that there is this huge desire for people to be extraordinary now. You know, we all go around with yeah. what our superpowers are. Well, I think how boring, yeah. because again, that misses the middle of everything. The most exquisite thing in the world is a sunrise. It happens every single day. It ex and we know exactly the time it's going to happen. Look at how beautiful it is when buds appear on a tree in springtime. It's just, it's unfathomable that this branch that had nothing on it now would suddenly give blossom to these flowers. How beautiful is it that leaves on a tree that is rich and full turn color and change color and, and fall off and leave the tree barren. And it happens every year around fall. And we know exactly the time that it's happening and people come from all over the country to experience the experience of that beauty of fall. And it's the most ordinary thing in the world because we know exactly when it's gonna happen. When did we start to think that ordinary is bad and we have to be extra of something that we think is bad? Why would we even wanna be extraordinary if ordinary isn't good? What the mosaic showed me is it's, it's, a, it's a pipe dream to try to be extraordinary. What extraordinary means is when extraordinaries come together, they create something that is extraordinary.
because they are extraordinaries. We were never meant to do this alone. We were meant to do it together. And in doing it together, we create marvelous things, things we can never even dream possible on our own because we just can't see all those possibilities. That's the beauty of the connected life. That's the beauty of a person that listens and hears. That's the essence of the mosaic. Oh, Daniel, I'm just leaning into this conversation because it feels so expansive to me. And I, I just love everything that you're sharing with me because I can just feel my own energy expanding as you talk. And Beautiful. it's just such a, a lovely experience I'm having right now. And I, I, I can't get out of my mind that <laughs> quote that that woman said to you as you were about to embark on your book tour, which is that you'll be fine as long as you realize you're speaking to you about you. Yes, <laughs> so we're Harry. Like, it's just yes. lovely. And, yeah. and I'm finding myself in what you're saying. I'm finding the resonance, the points of resonance between your stories and mine. And, and what Love that's that. teaching me about the fact that, and this is, this is something I, I've known for, I'd even say decades, but it's continuously unfolding to a different depth in my life which is that i am not what i think i am so much more yeah and as we all are not what we think there is so much more going on that we so many mysteries to life in that invisible space so let me play with your mind a little bit yeah go <laughs> right <laughs> And what if you didn't have to be so much more than you are? Yeah. What if you just are what you are, whether that's so much more or so much less or so much what you are and yeah. that there didn't have to be this, you know, we are more than we think it just like, look at the undue pressure that puts yeah. on us totally. and, and it's, <laughs> it's sort of unattainable to have to be so much more than we are. Right. Why don't yeah. like what we are is so beautiful. Like that's the middle for me. That's the place yeah. of the pain and the suffering and the beauty and the glory of the middle of just taking this time to sit with myself and say, this is who I am. Just be here in this moment, experience this conversation, experience this vibration. Yeah. And, and that's, there's something so, for me, and it's only for me, if it doesn't resonate with anybody else, so be it. I, I'm not trying to teach something here. I'm just trying to share my experience that there's something for me so exquisitely simple in not having to be anything but who I am. Yeah. And thank you for that because that in a way you've given me a sign there that i do need to share something i wasn't going to share <laughs> which is that um as you were talking before um 
And I was taught, I talked about redefine, like at Sacred Changemakers, one of the things we talk about is redefining what it means to be human. I've realized that's such a powerful statement for me because, <laughs> and it's the first time I've ever realized this, because oh. it's actually in service of me getting my now deceased mother's affirmation <laughs> mm -hmm. that you know, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to be just myself. Myself is enough. And now I'm questioning, redefine what it means to be human. I already am human. Why do I need to redefine it? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. almost like a return, a returning home. Yeah. In some ways, it's just being human without having to put anything else on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How and, wonderful. Yeah. And I love the experience you're having because if I can share one more thing, when I was given this sort of assignment to uh, start a revolution of listening, I just looked at my creator and I thought, you must really be low down on the totem pole when you're coming to me. Because like, I'm a, I'm a talker, like, you, can't you find anybody that listens more than me? I mean, listen in this conversation, I've talked the whole time, right? And, and, I, and, I, and I said, I said, surely you're somebody better to do that than me. And the answer I got was so beautiful. It was, we're not asking you to do this because you do it well, we're asking you to do it because we want you to learn how to do it. And your ability to communicate with people is good, really good. Your ability to tell a story occupies the minds of people that are listening to you. And it, has, and it causes the mind to be absorbed in your story and allowing the body, to, the heart and the soul to feel you without the fear of the mind coming in to distract it. So when you're speaking, you're actually able to, to um, uh, entertain the mind so that it doesn't interfere with the transmission of heart and soul. And what I love about what you just said to me was that you feel that happening yeah. because you're feeling things that have something to do with what I'm saying, but have also something to do with the heart connection, right? That you're... Yeah. That you experience. I mean, it's not, I don't mean that you're not listening to me and has nothing to do, but, the, but what I'm saying is opening up something in you that's saying something else to you as well. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's the, that's the process of listening as a street cleaner comes right by. And I don't know if you can hear that, but <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Oh my God. Um, but yeah. that's the beauty of when we just, allow ourselves the chance to hear not only words words are nice they they will they will uplift us but they won't transcend us yeah the feeling that we get from the from the spaces between the words will transcend us and for those people who read my book and get my book i can't i can't emphasize enough how much i want you to just sit with the spaces yeah. Read the words and yet sit with the spaces. That's lovely. 
Daniel, it really is. And oh my gosh, you've given me so much to just pause and 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 slow down and and lean into. Yeah. So thank you, really. Uh, thank you for having me here. What a pleasure and honor. Yeah. Now, I'm I am noticing the time, but. I always have one question that I ask at the end and I'm going to leave it to you whether you answer it or not, but I am going to ask it. Okay. Which is if there's something you hoped we'd get to today, something you'd want to share with our listeners, what might it be? Hmm. I'm a very peculiar duck. I I walk into most of my conversations now with very little agenda. I don't really have someone someone sent me a, sent me a list of questions that they wanted to ask me on their podcast and I said there's really no need for you to do that. They said no no we want you to have them we want to know your answers and I said doesn't mean how I how I answer them today is going to be how I answer them that day but if you need to send them, send them to me. And they said something similar. They said, what's the one thing you hope we will ask you? And I said, unfortunately, I don't come in with any expectations of any of it. Mm -hmm. what, I, what I can tell you, I'm so pleased that that doesn't happen on many podcasts and I've done a ton of them. Is I love that I feel touched by your soul. And I love that you've allowed me to touch your soul. And I love that two people who are only really getting to know one another a little bit can allow the walls that most people have around them to just fall down, to allow an intimacy of these moments to exist. These are intimate conversations. These are real conversations. These are conversations that have potential to really help us see another world that we haven't seen before. And I think Wayne Dyer said it when I was sitting with him. I mean, he, I know he said it, but I, I think the first time I heard him say it was when I was having lunch with him one day and he said, Danny, you know, if you change the way you see the world, the world you see will change. And I always loved that. And so one of the things the mosaic is all about is how Mo, in search of this place called heaven, meets these people that are not the people that would show you heaven. They're common, ordinary people. And he wonders, why am I with them? But he sits and listens to them. And in every single case, when they tell him their story, he sees them differently, completely differently. And it wasn't because they changed, it was because he changed. And when he sees them differently, he realizes that everything in the world he sees is just that, it's everything in the world he sees. It isn't everything in the world that is. And what would happen for all of us, you, me, the people listening, if we were just to slide ourselves to the left, get out of our own way, 
and see what the world is trying to show us with our eyes to see it, with our ears to hear it, with our senses to feel it. What would we see? What's right there in front of us that we can't see because we see what we're seeing now? Daniel, I just experience you as this free flow of wisdom energy. It's just lovely. <laughs> Thank you what so much. What a nice thing much. to say. Thank you. No, truly. Thank you so much. Okay, everyone. That is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I do want to remind you that all the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing community of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. We're a network of people committed to making the world a better place. We support each other to grow personally and professionally. And together, we are making a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. So if you're interested, I invite you to take a look. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.